Alright guys, how's it going? Get some good lunch in you? Anybody get mellow mushroom? What are you guys getting out there? I don't even know. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never been there. Pretty good? Yeah. Um, so, uh, my name's Jordan Ayers. It's good to be with you guys. Um, I'm on staff with Stumo out at Mizzou. I went to K-State in my undergrad. Now I'm out at Mizzou. Been there for 12 years with my fam. Um, so, that's a picture of them. Uh, my wife, Macy, and then our three kids, Anderson, Alton, and Adeline. And uh, it's been a blast. We love Mizzou. We love being out of Columbia. And uh, excited to get to hang out with you guys for a little bit here at this next breakout. Um, get to look at a specific topic, and in particular, this one's the phone. But before we get into it, I wanted to um, throw it out there, just kind of a funny story here to set the stage for us. But um, I was going to tell you a little bit about one of the boy's friends in the neighborhood. His name is David. And uh, this is a picture of David and my two boys. And uh, the other day, we had a... Uh, we had a dresser that was like falling apart, a couple of different ones that we replaced. And so uh, being the dad that I was, I guess, we took it out into the driveway and let the boys beat on them with hammers. So that was pretty fun. And uh, so David joined in on that party. This was some, an action shot. This was another shot um, right here. So they uh, kept some of the drawers for, uh, for shields from the bad guys. So that was good. And, uh, but anyways, it was funny because David moved in about a year ago um, on our street. And when he moved in, Alton was trying to get to know him better. Alton's the one there on the right. He, uh, he was kind of asking him some questions about him. And we've met um, David's mom. And uh, ha I haven't actually met his dad yet. But uh, so we're kind of getting to know them a little bit better. But Alton came back one day and he was like, hey, mom, guess what? And Macy was like, yeah, what's up? And uh, he goes, hey, did you know David's mom is 100 years old? And just to give you some context, David's in second grade. So, you know, that's a pretty big, pretty big gap. And uh, Macy's like, you know what? I've met her. I don't think she's 100 years old. All Like, that's just not really. And he's like, no, she is. David told me. And, uh, and Macy's like, well, even though David told you, I just don't think. And he's like totally convinced. You cannot convince him otherwise. And so she tries to convince him one other way. And she's like, well. Alton, if she was 100, she would have wrinkles, like, all over the place, you know? Like, she, you would be able to tell that she's 100 years old. And so that kind of quieted him down for a second. He was pondering that one. Well, sure enough, he comes back the next day, I think it was, and uh, he's like, hey, Mom. And she's like, what? And he goes, uh, he, David's mom is for sure 100 years old. And uh, Macy's like, what do you mean? And he goes, I went and asked her. She has wrinkles. <laughs> and we were like, oh, no. You know, it's like good first impression with the neighbors you know so apparently he went and asked her she said she had wrinkles so now there's definitely no convincing him otherwise uh now if you fast forward several months this just happened the other day while i was preparing this was hilarious and uh, i overheard alton ask david uh over at our house he's like hey david how old is your mom anyways and david was like i'm not sure so david doesn't even know how old she is it's a mystery we'll see if we can figure it out uh, but the reason that I share that, other than the fact that it's funny, is the reason it's funny to us is we can tell that Alton is totally self-deceived, right? Like, he's convinced one way, but the reality is something totally different than what he's convinced of. And it's fun and kind of funny when it's a little kid. It's funny even when it's other people sometimes. Uh, but I think the same thing can actually be true for each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, is that all of us have some degree of things that we might be self-deceived about, right? That we think we're better at than we actually are. We think that we're okay when we're actually not. There's, a, there's an element of that in our lives. 
And the reason that I bring that up to you is because when it comes to this topic, I think this is an area that we can be especially prone to that in. Because our phones can be very deceiving to us on how much our phones actually influence our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about is we're going to try in the next few minutes today to answer some of the tougher questions that we oftentimes don't take the time to ask, which is, yes, I use my phone for some good things, but how are, what are ways that my phone actually, I might be treating it or handling it in a way that's actually detrimental to my life. And that's what we're going to try to do because we don't have to go that long to think about it, but obviously the phone in and of itself is not a bad thing, right? So you guys don't have to fear that. This isn't going to be a breakout where we're like, all right, just throw your phone away and everything will be good, right? The phone in and of itself isn't a bad thing. We use the phone for a lot of really good things. This was just a few of them that I thought about. But even when you think about like your faith, like staying in touch with people, it's an amazing opportunity to do that. If you had no phone, like that would be pretty, a lot harder to stay in touch with the amount of people that we want to stay in touch with. Um, You can read the Bible at any point, like right there from your phone. That's pretty awesome. Uh, There's other apps that can help you know God better, like podcasts or different things you can listen to, or even apps that help you like memorize Bible verses or different things like that. There's all kinds of apps that can help us with prayer and those types of things. Um, And then also it can help us get things done more efficiently so that we can spend our time doing other things that God's calling us to do. And it can open up the opportunity for that. So there's a lot of good ways that we should leverage the phone to help us, I think, when it comes to growing in our faith and representing God. Um, But at the same time, I think we would all admit with the amount of time that we spend on it, I don't know that it's all consumed with these things, right? It's not probably all filled up with these things. We'll talk about what some of those things might be. But this was a study. We've got a few different stats throughout this that I uh, try to do some digging and look into some uh, stats that are from reputable sources. So not like Wikipedia stats or like message boards, you know, or something like that. Um, But this is a study that was done from Baylor. And uh, this was just specifically to college guys. How much do they average, on average, spend on their phone? How many hours per day? And so I'm curious what you guys think. I just kind of want you guys to shout out. What do you think that blank is? How many hours per day do guys on average spend on their phone? Eight, six, five, seven, four. Okay. Yeah, it's a pretty good little range. So this is an average, right? It was actually... Eight hours per day. So uh, that's kind of the average for a college guy. Now the real interesting question is, do you guys think that the girls in the same study was higher or was lower than that? I'm trying to get this. There we go. All the guys are like higher for sure. The girls are like definitely lower. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was actually 10 hours per day. Maybe girls have more friends. I'm not really sure. You know, not sure exactly what it is. Guys feel pretty good about themselves right now, but still eight hours is kind of a lot, you know. Um, but if you look at that, eight hours, ten hours a day, and that's just on average, so some days more. Um, if we were to be honest about that, I don't know that we would say that these are all the things and even more good ways that we use our phone. That's It's probably not eight hours of just that, right? Like, we would all probably admit that there's a lot of time spent that's doing other things that are either more neutral than these or even some bad things, some things that we wish we weren't using our phones to do. And so when we think about it, here was kind of like some reasons that I was thinking through as to why we might spend so much time on our phone on the negative side. So if we're honest, there's probably times where we're just bored and we just are kind of vegging out on our phones or 
loneliness to like hide from something that's hard or to try to cope with something that's going on and we can medicate it through our phones um insecurity or like comparison i think that's a big one we'll talk about that later but that's a big one in social media so we can feel kind of insecure about our lives and we can compare ourselves to other people um to feed sinful desires we'll talk about that here in a little bit and then to escape hard situations or responsibilities like even difficult scenarios, like you've maybe been in the room and something's kind of awkward or like hard going on. You just kind of pull out your phone and pretend like you're not there anymore. You know, like we've all probably been there before. Um, and so that's probably also, if we're honest, some of the ways that we're spending those hours on our phone. And so that's what we're going to try to figure out is how could we leverage the phone for good and not be um, unwise in our phone use to where it becomes detrimental to us? How can we actually use it the way that we want to use it? And so go ahead and wipe a few of these throughout this. That's what I like about breakouts. But what is, just go ahead and discuss this with the people around you. What is your average screen time and what do you spend the most time on? So it's going to require you to get a little honest, but we all probably admit, admit we want to grow in this. So go ahead and discuss that with the people around you. But here's kind of, you know, I always, I don't know if you guys are like me, I get the notification every Sunday that's like, hey, here's what your screen time was for the week. Sometimes you feel great. Sometimes you feel pretty bad about it, you know. Um, but this is what we're going to try and talk about is, Uh, This overarching idea, and it's this, that every time we say yes to our phone, we're saying no to something else. And that's something that I wish I thought more about before I pulled out my phone. And this is just such a natural default way of us living. Uh, We'll talk more about that later, too. But I just that's so true that every time I say yes to my phone, I'm saying no to something else. So if I'm going to make that trade off, I want to make that trade off well. Right. And so that's what we're going to look at is four different trade offs that we can make in the negative sense. Because, again, I think we all know the good ways we can use our phone. We probably need more time to spend on what are some of the ways we need to improve. So what are four maybe danger areas or trade-offs we can make when it comes to spending time on our phones? And uh, that's what we're going to spend time on. I'm going to run through the first three with us, and we'll stop and discuss it before the fourth one. But the first one is our desires. So these all start with D. And uh, the first one's desires. So what I'm talking about here is just sinful desires that we have. WC, I thought talked about that well in our session this morning that there's just things inside of us that are there because we have a sinful nature and just a desire to do the wrong thing in a lot of ways and our phones can be avenues for us to feed those desires they don't have to be but they certainly can be and can give us access to significantly more temptation and can and sin can express itself that much more if we're not guarded and have um, accountability on our phones And so I was looking at this verse uh, that kind of talks about like the world and what the world that stands opposed to God values in a lot of ways. And it was 1 John 2, 15 and 16, but I kind of read it in a fresh way um, whenever I was putting this together. But it says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the things that stand opposed to God, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, and then there's this list, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. And I was just kind of struck when I looked at that list that was describing the world in opposition to God and what some of those characteristics are. The cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does. And it just kind of hit me that that's a pretty good description of what our phone use oftentimes is like in a negative sense when we're thinking about our sinful desires. And we'll kind of start with these first two, the cravings of sinful man and the lust of his eyes. And so if we're going to talk about potential dangers on the phone, you can't go very far without first talking about 
uh, just how sexual impurity can be a really big area of temptation when it comes to your phone, right? Like the lust of our eyes and how that can be such, a, uh, such an easy access point on the phone. So much so that Psychology Today said 67% of porn is viewed on the phone nowadays. I, I'd venture to guess that it's probably actually higher than that. That seems a little bit low to me in a lot of ways. But again, back in the day, that was not the case. You didn't have this easy of access to something that God says will actually end up destroying our lives. Uh, But we can feed our lustful desires when it comes to just hopping on our phone in total, total anonymous activity. No one has any clue what you're doing, and you're just right there on your phone carrying it around. And uh, the danger of it, I think, is what is talked about here in Proverbs 6, 27 through 28. Where it says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? And I think this is a, just a, an obvious answer to no on both of these questions. But what this proverb is trying to help us see, and what God's trying to help us understand, is there's certain things that if you do them, there's just going to be a natural consequence that comes with, them, with that unless you do something else to like prevent that, right? And so for us, in the same way that you couldn't just put a fire on your lap and expect not to get burned... To just carry around a phone that has unlimited access to anything on the internet that you want at the at a, the click of a button with no accountability or anything is kind of like carrying around that same fire in your lap and expecting not to get burned, right? And so for us, I think that's a really important thing for us to be thinking about is the to be sobered by what's just on the other end of one search, right? It could be something uh, that is really damaging to us. And so again, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes. The phone could be a really easy on-ramp to that. But then also that last one, the boasting of what he has and does. And I was just kind of thinking about social media with that one. Because, you know, for us, like social media is kind of low-key, like a way to just brag about how great our lives are supposed to be, right? Like it's kind of what they secretly are in a lot of ways. Uh, No one really says it that way, but also no one's posting like, woke up late today feeling pretty behind. You know what I mean? Like that's not really like what you put on Instagram or like, gotten uh, some conflict with one of my friends wish I didn't do that you know it's like it's usually like check me out on this awesome mountain what are you doing right now you know what I mean it's like that's kind of more the vibe of it just boasting of what I have and what I do uh, is how it can oftentimes be and so this is how the phone can become very attractive and addictive to us is it can actually be feeding sinful desires without us really even detecting it oftentimes as well And so if we're not careful, if we don't set ourselves up for success, we could be carrying around that fire in our lap and expecting not to be burned. And so sinful desires, I think, would be a good first place to start where the phone could certainly uh, trip us up. It could be a negative way that it's affecting us. Uh, But the second one is this, a little bit different, is distraction. So one of the lies that we can easily believe with the phone is that we can be in multiple places at one time. You know, I can be doing something on my phone. I can be fully present in this conversation over here. And I can be doing this activity over here. And I can be doing all of them just as well as if I was just doing one of them at that one time. Uh, But if we do that, it can leave us actually pretty scattered and not real focused on the life that God's calling us to live, which is right there in the present. Uh, A pretty crazy description of following God is in Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. 
And when I look at this, I just see these different statements. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Don't swerve to the right or the left. There's this intentional pursuit that's saying, I'm going to pursue after God and His will for my life, and I'm going to put that first. I'm going to put all my energies that direction. I'm not going to be just kind of scattered in all of these different places and spots. And when we do that, when we get scattered and we kind of get like concerned about all the things going on in our world, uh, it's easy for us to have Matthew 13, 22 be true of us, which talks about those who receive the word of God, who hear it, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it unfruitful. And so we can be so worried about all these different things going on in our lives and we're kind of like dabbling in everything. They can actually choke out what's most important, which is God's word and living out God's plan for our lives. And it's crazy because for us, we just kind of, we tend to think, this is an area, at least for me, that I can feel very self-deceived in where I'm like, no, I'm doing great. Like I'm multitasking, I'm doing everything fine when really I'm not like fully anywhere in a lot of ways. And the reason that that happens for us is because of this stat right here. King University put this out. It said the average user will tap, swipe, and click their phone 2,617 times a day. And we just, we don't even really think about it, but that's just kind of what we do each and every day. And uh, just to give us some context on that, if I was to come to you with any other thing in our life, right? If I was like, hey, I got this awesome opportunity for you. The only thing is, though, it's going to be great, and there's going to be a lot of fun on it but you're going to have to do it 2,600 times a day. You know, you'd be like, explain to me more. You know what I mean? Like, tell me. I'm like, what's the next thing that I do more than this? You know, I'm like, I eat like three times a day. You know, I don't really know. Like, do I do anything even 10 times a day? I'm not even sure. But 2,600 times, that's a whole different story. And so it's easy for us to live in this constant state of distraction rather than locking in on one thing. But we tend to oftentimes not see it for ourselves, but others around us can see it. It kind of made me think of when you have something stuck in your teeth. You know, this is a terrible picture. But uh, we, none of us like being the friend who, like, tells someone that they have something stuck in your teeth. But you all love that friend to you, you know. Because you guys have been there before. You get something stuck in your teeth at lunch. You don't have any clue it's there. You're living your life like everything's just totally fine. You're, like, seeing all your friends. You're maybe even seeing that other person you're trying to impress. Just acting like everything's totally fine and everyone sees it for what it actually is, you know. That's the worst. You see it at dinner time and you're like, oh, who have I seen? You know, and you like start going back through all that. But I think that's how it can be sometimes with us on our phones is we can think, man, I'm locked in. I'm good. I'm multitasking. But everyone else around us can see like, man, Jordan's not really listening to me right now. You know what I mean? Like my kids could see that loud and clear. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, I got you. I got you. And then they're like, dad, dad, dad. I'm like not hearing anything, you know. And so we've all probably seen that in other people. It's harder to see it in ourselves. And how distracted we can be. And so for us, I think it's good to uh, think a little bit about why is this the case? Why do we tap and swipe our phones so much? Well, it's because our phones are very addictive. And we'll talk more about this as we go. But you guys have probably seen different studies that have been done to show how addictive the phone is. Uh, It's been like compared to more than like cigarettes, more addictive than alcohol, more addictive than cocaine is what a lot of people have shown. Um, And so... I was kind of thinking about 1 Corinthians 6.12, and it just gives us a good principle with anything that could potentially be addictive to us. So there's a lot of things in life that could be that way, but it gives us this principle there. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything's beneficial. So in other words, there's a lot of things that we are allowed to do when it comes to what God says in the Bible. 
Like phones, for instance. The Bible doesn't say anything about never have a phone, you know? So a phone is permissible. That's, a, that's an okay thing. But it says not everything's beneficial. So there could be things in our life that we're allowed to do, but in a certain scenario, it might not actually be beneficial to do. But then the second one is more what I wanted to camp out. Is it says everything, again, is permissible for me, but I'll not be mastered by anything. And there's a principle there in the scriptures as well that tell us that we aren't to be mastered by anything. Because ultimately, God is supposed to be our first priority. He's supposed to be our master, if you will. And so because of that, we shouldn't be mastered by anything else because it's trying to take the place of God, basically. And so it was good for me to be thinking about, well, how could I use my phone in a way to where I'm the one that's using it for good rather than it's the one using me for what it wants me to do, basically, like to be mastered or to be controlled by my phone. I want to take the step to actually rise above this stat, which is 47% of U.S. smartphone users say they couldn't live without their devices. Something that was just created, you know, like in 2008, but now all of a sudden we can't live without it at all. And I know there's part of that's because it's hard to imagine what it would look like, right? That's, in some ways, I'd answer that way too. But at the same time, there's an, there's an element of truth that we'd, we'd be fine without it in a lot of ways too, right? Um, unless we're addicted to it. And so what is it then that our phones distract us from? This is where it might really sink in the most. Because it's easy for us to be like, well, I'm probably distracted, but like, what's the big deal? Well, here's just a few areas I think that makes this a big deal. The first one is people. So, you know, you guys maybe have felt this before, but maybe you're on the road trip down here and you're with some of your closest friends. You're pumped up to come to SMC. And it's easy to just kind of like slip into not taking advantage of that road trip and like hanging out and having fun together. And like everybody's just kind of on their phones, right? Or uh, like your family coming in town for Christmas. You only see them maybe once or twice a year, but then your whole family's just kind of like hanging in the living room, but no one's really talking and everybody's just on their phones. You know, it's like easy to kind of be in that scenario when I really want to like make the most of those chances and like have good conversations and try to like get to know them better or whatever it is, create a memory together. Um, I felt this with my family, you know, like I want to have undivided attention to our kids and to Macy. Uh, but oftentimes it's easy for me to rob that by just being on my phone and, and not really being present with them. So I would be quick to say that my family is more important than my phone, but I'm not all the time showing that, I guess is what I'm saying. So it can distract us from people. It can also distract us from God himself. Specifically, God's word is what I was thinking about. Um, we can be trying to read the Bible maybe in the morning each morning. And uh, as I'm trying to read the Bible, I can have my phone just sitting right there next to it. And every time that it lights up or buzzes, I can just keep going back to it each and every single time. And it can really rob me from focusing on even my time with God, like getting to know him through the Bible or even our time hearing the Bible. Like you guys have probably felt that here. If you're hearing this awesome talk, not this one, but, you know, like an awesome one <laughs> somewhere else. And uh it's easy to be distracted by just like pulling out my phone and I don't even really have a reason to be on it. I just am kind of like doing it by habit and I might be missing something that God's trying to tell me uh, in that talk as well. And so it can distract us from God. And then lastly, it can, just, it can distract us away from being effective. We can think that we're being more effective on our phones and that could be true, but there's also ways it could be the opposite for us too. And uh, this is maybe one of the stats that shook me the most when I was going through this, but it was from UC Irvine, and it said this, it takes 23 minutes to refocus on a task after a distraction. So what that's saying is, like, if you're doing one thing and you get distracted and go off and do this other thing, it would take you 23 minutes to hop back in and get to the full amount of focus that you were at at the first thing. 
Which if that, you know, again, that's a stat. I don't really know. But if that's true or if that's even close to true, then I feel like I probably go throughout my whole life being perpetually distracted. Like, I'm like, do I ever fully focus on anything? It's kind of what made me start wondering, you know? And so it motivated me to say, what if I could lock in on something all the way to completion and then move on to the next priority in my life rather than feeling this kind of scattered distraction that I can oftentimes have in my life? And so that's the second one for us is distraction. The phone can be a place for us to feed our sinful desires. It can also be a chance for us to be distracted, thinking we're putting one foot in each world, but we're actually putting two feet in one, two feet in another, and never fully present. But then the third one that we're going to hit on is this, is discontentment. And in this point, we'll talk mostly about social media itself. But social media has the opportunity to connect with other people. And I think that's the, that's the front door that we walk through when we come on social media. That's what we would want to be true of it. But at the same time, underneath that, what can also be happening is social media can also feed on envy, is what it can oftentimes feed on. Being envious or envy is just simply wanting something that someone else has. And that can be what actually keeps us on social media more, eventually takes over more than even wanting to uh, just stay in touch with other people. And there was this extensive study done by the Royal Society for Public Health, and this is what they mentioned. This one was specifically about Instagram, but it said 63% of Instagram users reported feeling miserable in their study, which was higher than any other social media network. Uh, Those same users spent nearly 60 minutes a day on this particular social media. Uh, The report also found that social media was more addictive than cigarettes and alcohol. In fact, rates for anxiety and depression rose 70% among young people over the last 25 years. And if you look at graphs of that, a lot of that started, that big spike started in 2008, which is when the smartphone was invented, actually. So you can kind of see that when you look at these different uh, trials. And then the last thing they said is social media can also cause depression and it can cause poor sleep. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, what is it about it that makes you makes all of these negative things oftentimes take place? Because there's also a good way you could use social media. But why are so many people experiencing the negatives that probably all of us have experienced at times as well? Well, I think it's back to that word envy. And God kind of gives us this warning about envy in the Bible. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So a heart at peace makes you feel awesome, like gives gives life to your body. But the envy does the opposite. It rots your bones. It kills you little by little, basically. To constantly be faced with what you don't have and what you wish you had, and to try to seek validation from other people rather than seeking it from God leaves us feeling dead in a lot of ways, which is causing us to be anxious or depressed or things like that. Proverbs twenty three seventeen gives us the solution, though. It says, Do not let your heart envy against sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. So what we're called to do, instead of seeking validation that we're living the life that we should be living from other people, We'll never actually get what we want. We'll never actually get that validation. There's always someone doing something better or more than you. But the only place you'll seek that and find that peace and that security is from God, is to seek validation from the one who created you originally. Because otherwise, we're just facing the, if we seek it from other people, we're just facing what we don't have over and over again and what we aren't measuring up to. And that's a pretty tough message to swallow moment by moment, 2,300 times a day. You know what I mean? Um, And I kind of, this was a sort of funny way that I felt that um, outside of the phone. But uh, this was years ago. I was at the Mizzou Rec. 
And uh, I was, so this is about four years ago. So I was 31 at the time. And uh, I had some buddies. Um, I played basketball in high school. I like to play basketball. I had some buddies on campus that were like, hey, Jordan, you should play for our intramural basketball team. And, uh, and I was like, man, you guys don't want the old man on your team, okay? Like, surely there's someone else out there. You know, like, am, am I just the last person? You just needed a seventh or eighth guy, you know? Like, what? And they're like, no, Jordan, we need you. We need a shooter. And that's all I needed to hear, right? I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you need a shooter. That sounds great. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm in. So the first few games, I'm shaking rust off, you know? It's like I'm not in game shape or, like, speed. I don't really know what I'm doing. But eventually, I kind of start hitting my stride, and I had the conscious thought. This will tell you something about me. I had the conscious thought. I was like, you know what? I still got this. You know what I mean? Like, I can hang with these guys. I'm 31, but man, I'm right there with them. I'm starting to feel pretty good. And so this one, this is the last game of the regular season. I beat my guy off the dribble, and I'm going up for a wide open layup, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Here we go. But then the thought hits my mind, and I'm like, you know what? These student refs that have been refing this game have been calling fouls on, like, every play almost. And so I'm like, you know, I'm going to get an and one out of this. I don't want just a layup. You know, I want three points out of this. And so I kind of get this idea last minute, and I'm like, okay, I can feel my guy coming behind me. I'm going to just jump backwards and kind of get into him and get the foul. So I take this kind of awkward, like, middle step because I was last minute in this. And as I do that, I feel my knee just buckle, and I just hit the ground, and I'm in just, like, pain, you know? And I'm laying there on the ground. The play just like ends in me just like falling out of bounds, basically. And I'm just laying down, looking up at the, the ceiling of the rec center. And I'm like, did I just tear my ACL as a 31-year-old in an intramural basketball game? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, yes. It was, you know, it's like the bottom of this. Can you get lower than that? I'm not really sure. <laughs> and so I'm just laying there. This is a picture of me like a few weeks later after surgery, ironically, on my phone. And... Um, <laughs> And, you know, it was funny because what that was for me was a wake-up call, right? Like, what I was convinced of, I'm the man, I'm hanging with these guys, I'm just, I'm the same player I've always been. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, wake-up call, Jordan, you're 31, you know? Um, and it was just a, it was kind of one of those, like, snap me into reality in some ways. But if you could think about it, that's kind of a funny way, but if you could think about it, every time that we come on to something like Instagram or something that's easy for us to compare ourselves to other people, Every time that we do that over and over again, we're basically telling ourselves what we aren't and what we don't have. And that's the main message that we're coming to all throughout the day. That's a hard pill to swallow too, you know, and that can create some negative effects in our lives as well. And this is why I think we get discontent. It's because everything off the time looks perfect. I think that's why be real and those types of things are on the rise because we recognize that like social media is pretty superficial. Like it's not actually how life is for each person. But when we read what's going on or view it, we don't really view it that way And other people. Uh, we're graded by likes and comments. There's always someone with a better post and more responses than us. And we begin to think about our lives and how we don't line up to others, basically. And that's like what can oftentimes kind of uh, cause us to spiral in some ways when it comes to our thought process. And so again, God just kind of gives us a good caution on this in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. Where he says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. And then he says it here, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Which is another way of saying, don't compare yourself with other people. Don't seek validation from others. Seek it from me. And ultimately living for me. And that's going to give you what you're hoping for in other people. Which is that security of knowing that you're living the life that you were created to live. 
And so that could be another one, discontentment, that social media can have a really negative effect on us for. And so when you look at these three, desires, distraction, discontentment, go ahead and discuss this with the people next to you again. How have you noticed time on your phone either being addictive or creating discontentment in your life? Let's go ahead and talk about that. So those are the three trade-offs that we can oftentimes make in a negative way when it comes to our phone. Let's take a look at this fourth one. So not desires, distraction, or discontentment. The last one could be discipline. And what I mean by discipline here is, yes, just living a less disciplined lifestyle, but also not living the priorities that you know you want to have in your life, basically. To kind of let it take you away from the things that you know are most important to you. So this is similar to distraction, but it's bigger than that because now it's like a life-altering thing where it's taking us away from what we know is most important instead of having self-control to live what you know is most important. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 is a really cool passage just talking about this analogy in following Jesus. It says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Talking about heaven. And it says, Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Which Paul's basically just saying here, I do everything in my power to live out the priority of following Jesus and what his will is for my life. I don't want anything to take me off of that. I don't want to just be jogging through life or walking through life. I want to run after him and what he's called me to. But when it comes to our phones, it can kind of just drag us into this like apathy about life and cause us to kind of spend most of our time and most of our days on things that ultimately we would say don't matter near as much as other things that we say would be our top priorities in life. Because probably none of us would say that our phone is our top priority in life, right? We would all say like, no, that's just a thing, right? But when you look at all the time that we spend on it, it could actually become that way for us. And so this was kind of a, a staggering exercise that I did, but I tried to take like the averages that we looked at at the beginning of how much time we spend on our phones and then jog them out a little bit, just to see how that plays out. And so eight hours and 10 hours are what we worked with. If you spend that many hours per day on your phone, that would be 56 hours a week or 70 hours a week, okay? Half of that four hours would be 28 hours a week. Which again, we don't really think like this, right? We just kind of go through life, don't really think much about it. But if you stop and consider that right there, you're like, man, what else could I be doing for 56 hours a week, you know? Like you could be working a full-time job and getting overtime, you know? Like you could be, you could do all kinds of things with that, uh, let alone 70 hours a week. Like that's, I can't even, I don't even know what you could do with 70 hours, you know? It's like all, anything you want. Um, but if you look at that, it goes further than that. So what I was trying to also think about this is if you just kept your phone usage at the same level that it is in one of these numbers, and you just went that way for 50 years, okay? What would, how much time would you spend out of the next 50 years of your life on your phone? And this was like, man, this one was big for me. This was like really motivated for me to take it out. But look at this, four hours a day would lead to 8.3 years of the next 50. Ten, or eight hours a day would be 16.6, and 10 hours a day would be 20.76 years out of the next 50. And that's not even including your sleeping hours, right? So like, it's just robbing us of a lot of time that's our free time to be used at our disposal. And yes, not everything that we do on that is bad, right? Like, I'm not even necessarily saying that it should be zero years on there. 
you know, you could have a few years on there and that'd probably be an okay thing because we're doing good things with it. But at the same time, I think all of us would be quick to say, I don't want the next 20 out of my 50 years to be on my phone. Like there's, there's gotta be other things out there for me that are better than being on my phone. Because that's the thing about it is it's not the activity itself, it's what it's taking us away from, right? There could be something better out there for us than what we're settling for with our phones. And it kind of made me think, I'm actually a big baseball guy, and it made me think of one of the best baseball players that's ever lived. His name's Babe Ruth. Um, he, uh, he's kind of known for being a New York Yankee. What a lot of people don't know, though, is that he actually played for the Boston Red Sox before that. And uh, shockingly, the Red Sox actually traded him to the New York Yankees. So that's shocking in and of itself, that one of the best players, he was actually an amazing pitcher and an incredible home run hitter. He's got some of the most home runs out of anyone in the history of the game. And uh, it's crazy that they traded him in the first place. But what's even crazier than that is what they traded him for. It's kind of gone down in history as one of the worst trades ever because they traded Babe Ruth for $100,000 cash, which back then was more than it is now, but still, it's only $100,000 cash, and $300,000 to invest in a Broadway play. That's what they traded Babe Ruth for. Didn't even get a single player back. And it's known, again, as like a horrible trade, right? But it's not because what they got was bad, right? Like, they got $400,000, you know? I'm sure the play was good. I don't know. But it's not like those things are bad, but it's what you could have had. You know, it's like you could have had Babe Ruth for the rest of his career, and he'd be known as a Boston Red Sox. It's it's what you could have had. And that's how it is with our phones is we can stop at the, well, I'm not doing anything bad. And, you know, in one sense, we are probably doing some things that are bad. But on the other sense, even if it's not necessarily things that are bad – could, it out, could there be something better out there for us that we are missing out on, that we're settling for by being on our phones? It's taking us away from what's most important. Proverbs 13, 4, I like this verse. It says, the sluggard craves and gets nothing, talking about a lazy person, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. If we want our desires to be fully satisfied, it takes diligence to live out the priorities that God's given us in the Bible, and that's when we'll actually experience it. And so for us, it can be a lack of discipline and a lack of urgency that can develop when we spend time on our phones. And so go ahead and discuss this one more time uh, with the people around you. How does knowing that every time we say yes to our phone, we're saying no to something else, change how you view your time on it? So go ahead and discuss that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this has um, sobered us, I hope, in some ways, challenged us. I think all of us in this room, myself included, there's things that we probably are like, man, uh, this is helpful for me. I want to start making some changes. And so just with our last few minutes here, I just wanted to quickly give you a few suggestions of some next steps that you could take that could really help you when it comes to navigating this area well. Um, and so it spells out phone. The P is this. It says put helpful limits on your phone use. So these, these pointers are really easy to say and talk about. They're much harder to execute. This would be one of them because ultimately it comes down to you, right? Like, are you going to actually put the limits on it that you want? That could be in your apps. Like all of us are prone to different apps, probably being time wasters or things that we go to. Um, you can actually put limits on your time, right? But then it asks you that question, like, do you want to actually keep these limits? It's like, you actually have to say yes. You know what I mean? Um, so that's one thing on there. Um, but also one thing I've been trying to do is put some like helpful distance more so between me and my phone. So like sometimes when Macy and I will go out on dates, I'll just like leave my phone in the car or like, uh, when I'm hanging out with the family, I'll put it in a different room or 
Um, a lot of nights I'll sleep in a different room than my phone, so it's not the first thing that I do and the last thing that I have. I have like an old school alarm clock now. You can just like type it in, you know, or whatever, push the button. Um, and so just trying to do things like that to put a helpful amount of distance there so that I can actually rise above and like use it for what I want to use it for and not get sucked in as I can so oftentimes uh, be. But then that relates to the next one, which is to have accountability. So don't just make it all about you and like your ability to, to live out these things. Bring someone in on it. Someone that's helping you grow in your faith would probably be a good person um, to like talk about, hey, are you like spending the amount of time on your phone that you want to? Um, you know, are you looking at things that you shouldn't look at? Like some of those harder questions that you oftentimes don't want to ask or answer for someone, that's really helpful for us to kind of bring it into light and bring it out of it being this anonymous thing that we're doing in secret, uh, but to help you with that. Um, I've got an internet-like filter on my uh, technology that's been really helpful. Um, and so it actually, it's called Covenant Eyes, but it like, it takes a random screenshots whenever I'm on my uh, like browser. So like, I, and I never know when it happens. So it's not like it, you see it or anything. And then it sends a report to the guy that's helped me grow my faith and one of my closest friends. It sends it once a week in an email to him. And so that's like, and again, that's kind of like, some of you guys are terrified by that. That's okay. But it's actually really good. You know, it like tells me, okay, should I be looking at this? And like, do I want them to know? Sometimes you get some funny like Google searches. It's like, how many legs does a frog have? You know, and they're like, what are you looking at? You know, but, um, but anyways, it's been really helpful for me. So getting some kind of, there's a lot of programs like that out there that can help you with that. It's been really beneficial for me um, to add some accountability there. Um, the O is this, is to own where you can grow. So don't just settle with, well, there's good things I do with my phone or uh, my screen time is not that much different than everyone else. Try to own where you could actually improve and you could grow when it comes to your phone use. And then the N is this, new habits versus short-term goals. So it's easy coming out of something like this to just be like, okay, I'm not going to get on social media for a week, you know? And that's, that's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But what oftentimes can happen is after that week, you just spend twice as much on it as you would have to catch up on what you missed, Right. That doesn't really actually help all that much. And so trying to think through what are like new lifestyle patterns that I could actually live out that would change how I live this way so that I don't just get sucked back into it and then have to reset again, right? And uh, one of the things, I, I made one little commitment. I thought like, well, I don't have that much time to waste. I just text a lot of people on my screen time. I made one little change in my habits and it took me down 60% in one week of my screen time. And I was like, wow. I'm wasting so much more time than I thought that I was. And so it's trying to set new habits versus just short-term goals. And then the last one is this, is evaluate how well the phone delivers. The more that I see what the phone provides me with, when you get off of that like black hole in YouTube or TikTok and you're like, man, it was two hours and I don't really, I wish I had that back, you know? The more that I'm thinking about that before I go on my phone, then the less likely I am to get sucked in and the more likely I am to go to the things that actually give me what I want in life, which are the priorities that God's given me as well. Because every time I say yes to my phone, I'm saying no to something else. And then one last uh, encouragement I was going to give you guys is this is actually in our SMC store, in the bookstore that we have. It's a book called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. And this is a book that I read a few years ago, and it was really helpful for me 
to even start with some of these next steps and giving me some motivation and some inspiration to make some big changes that have really significantly impacted my own personal life, but has actually bettered my relationships with my family, my friends, and things like that as well. And that would be my hope for you, that you'd be saying yes to the things you ultimately want to say yes to, and not saying no to those by saying yes to our phones. So hopefully this was helpful for you guys. And uh, we've got one more breakout session. I think it's the ladies one. And then all the guys are going to go to the main session room for the one on manhood there. So you guys can make your way there. I think it starts in 10 minutes. Thanks.